Shalom Mishpocha. This is Rabbi Eric Carlson speaking to you today from the birthplace of America, the Eastern Gate of America, right here at Jamestown, Yorktown, Virginia. And as we continue on in our Kadima talks about leadership, I want to share today about commitment. Commitment is critical in the kingdom of God. Commitment to Yeshua, commitment to Adonai is one of the core fundamentals of all we do. Commitment in the kingdom means commitment in our relationships in the world around us. Quite often, people associate and base their commitment upon their emotions. If they get that warm, fuzzy feeling, it's not too hard, they're not taken out of their comfort zone, their schedules aren't changed, then there's a lot of joy and happiness. They're ready to follow through with that commitment. But true commitment doesn't work that way. Commitment isn't based upon emotions. Commitment is a character quality. Now, previously we talked about character. That's why this is so fundamental here. Commitment is a character quality that enables individuals and teams, congregations, kahilas to reach their visions and their goals. To get where we're going, we have to have people who are committed. We have to have leaders that are committed. Emotions continually sway back and forth, up and down, all the time, while commitment has to be rock-solid unmovable, unalterable. There are a couple of points on commitment before we move on to this, and and we're going to speak through the book of Ruth. That's a really great book on commitment. But I want to talk about these points first. Commitment is often discovered in adversity. Job 36, verse 15 says, But by means of their suffering, he rescues those who suffer, for he gets their attention through adversity. Now, this is one of my favorite stories that I often share. I've done it in in, uh, the congregation. I've done it on radio uh, interviews. But this is uh, 2006. I was in uh, Louisiana and I was with Promise Keepers. I've been with them for 15 years now. Uh, now it's Road to Jerusalem, but we were actually sponsoring and working towards a Road to Jerusalem event when we were in Baton Rouge at the Baton Rouge Country Club. And we had a pastor's luncheon to garner support for an event we were doing down there. And so if anybody knows anything, Pastors, clergy, Messianic rabbis, even rabbis are some of the busiest people in the world. My email inbox has over a thousand incoming emails every day. Everybody wants something, and they're heart rendering from sex trafficking to poor to famine to uh, listen, it just we're being pulled in a thousand directions. And so to have a pastor's luncheon, to have a pastor's breakfast, we've done them here for the last 20 years. If we invited 200 and got 15, we think that's a success. And if anybody's ever done this, you know how difficult it is to get pastors, leaders, Messianic rabbis together in the same room, even for just 45 minutes. So we get to the Baton Rouge Country Club. I walk in the door. There's 150 pastors in this room. That's right, 150. And so now... As a Jewish believer, I'm being provoked to jealousy. And so I get the leader of this, and I pull him aside. I said, listen, brother, you got to share with me. How in the world did this happen? He's like, what do you mean? I said, listen, there's 150-plus pastors in this room. And I'm talking pastors that have congregations that are 10,000, pastors that have a congregation of 300, pastors that have a congregation of 50. They're all in a room, black, white. They're, They're all... Uh, in fellowship with each other, talking, they're happy. I'm like, how does this happen? He looked me square in the eye and said, have a Katrina. I said, excuse me? He said, have a Katrina. It was that previous September 2005 when Hurricane Katrina slammed into the Louisiana coast. At that time, it was the biggest storm ever to hit the U.S. And he said the pastors quickly learned. Now, remember, commitments often discovered in adversity. 
they wouldn't be able to survive if they didn't work together. He said our only way of getting through this was that we tore down the walls of separation and we worked through it together. Listen, commitment's often discovered in adversity. Commitment isn't a gifting or ability. It's a choice. Joshua 24 verse 15 says, If it seems bad to you to serve Adonai, then choose today whom you're going to serve. Will it be the gods your ancestors served beyond the river or the gods of the Amori, in whose land you are living? As for me and my house, Yehoshua says, we will serve the Lord. It's a choice to be committed. Commitment lasts when it's based on biblical values and virtues. Values are a common core of ideas and morals practiced by healthy families and congregations in order to strengthen the relationship and the fabric of that unit. So if you want to grow a congregation, you got to have committed people. God's values give us everything we need, which we then build upon to garner fruit, to have success. 2 Peter 1 verses 3 through 8 says, God's power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowing the one who has called us to his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us valuable and superlatively great promises so that through them you might come to share in God's nature and escape the corruption which evil desires have brought into the world. For this very reason, try your hardest to furnish your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with perseverance, perseverance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you have these qualities in abundance, they keep you from being barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. So we use these virtues these foundations to strengthen our congregations. And this works for your, if you have a business, if you have employees, these things that we're talking about aren't limited just to the kingdom of God, but they're principles that work no matter what you're doing. If you have a small business, if you're trying to grow a larger business, these are all core values you need for leadership to do what God has called you to do. Commitment is the first step in trusting God. Psalms 37 verse 5 says, commit your way to Adonai, trust in him, and he will act. Ken Blanchard in his book, The Minute Manager, says there's a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in doing something, you do it only when it's convenient. When you're committed to something, you accept no excuses. God doesn't equip those who are interested. He equips those who are committed. And this brings me to Ruth because commitment precedes resources. And this is critical in this day and age as we're doing this among quarantines and lockdown and COVID-19s and civil unrest. We must be committed to one another and to the kingdom of God. And we see this in Ruth. Ruth is a wonderful book. It's about a Moabite woman who aligns herself with Israel and puts her in the lineage of Messiah Yeshua. But her commitment starts in the very beginning in Ruth 1, verses 16 and 17. And this outlines the church or Gentile commitment to Israel and to the Messianic believers today that in this is how we prosper the one new man. In Ruth 1, starting in verse 16, now Naomi, her mother-in-law, had two sons. Orpah and Ruth married those two sons, both Moabite women. Family uh, had gone to Moab because there was a famine in the land of Israel. But Naomi's husband died. Her two sons died, just left her a widow with two daughter-in-laws. And she says, you just go back to your own people. Go back to Moab. Orpah kissed her and said goodbye. But Ruth said, no. And in verse 16, Ruth said, Don't press me to leave you and stop following you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. 
And where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May Adonai bring terrible curses on me and worse ones as well, if anything but death separates you and me. This is a commitment to covenant relationship. Everyone needs financial and physical resources to reach your goals in life and sustain yourself in this world. Commitment must always precede those resources. Commitment is to carry forth into action deliberately, to obligate, to entrust, to bind, to pledge oneself to a commitment or course of action. When a person demonstrates a commitment to God, when you entrust yourself to his will and authority in your life, it always allows God to move within that life and a whole stream of supernatural events begin to flow. Again, Proverbs 16, verse 3 says, commit your work unto the Lord, then your plans will succeed. So if you have plans in life, if you have a destiny in the kingdom of God, and trust me, you do, you first must commit your work to the Lord, then your plans will succeed. In this very first chapter of Ruth, she chooses, remember we said this earlier, commitment, it isn't an emotion, it's a choice. And Ruth chooses to stay with Naomi, her Jewish mother-in-law, even after she loses her husband, Naomi's son. Ruth didn't know it, but this commitment would lead to all kinds of supernatural doors being opened for her, and her plans will succeed. First, commitment gives Ruth work in a foreign land in a time of economic recession. Again, this is this is critical right now because we're not exactly in the best circumstances as a nation regarding our uh, finances, regarding uh, we're on the verge of a recession right now with all the lockdown and the pandemic. Ourselves are in a time of economic recession, but Ruth's commitment both to the kingdom of God and her mother-in-law allows her to work in a foreign land in a time of crisis. Ruth 2 verses 1 through 2, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a prominent and wealthy member of Avimelech's clan whose name was Boaz. Ruth, the woman from Moab, said to Naomi, let me go into the field and glean ears of grain behind anyone who allow me. Uh, and she answered to her, go my daughter. Now, this is always makes me pause here. And, uh, and I want to throw a little caveat or a rabbit trail in here. In the word of God, Naomi refers to Ruth as what? My daughter. You never hear the term stepdaughters or stepsons. When you're adopted, even let's go back to the other book about a woman, Esther, who is raised by her uncle Mordecai, but Mordecai refers to her as his daughter. And so we have to understand that adoption in the kingdom of God, there's no step. Gentiles, when you're grafted into the kingdom of God, you're not stepchildren along with us, the Jewish people. You are joint heirs, joint partakers. You become children of God, just like us. Step, that term is divisive. It divides families. It divides the kingdom of God. We don't have second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. Once you're in, you're a full member, and we don't use that term step, stepson, stepdaughter, because it's unbiblical. So, she says, go, my daughter. She's going to go glean in a corner of the field. So this is a Shavuot story. This is in the springtime because they're, they're bringing in the wheat harvest. And in Leviticus 23, we're told specifically to leave the corners of the field for the poor and the needy. So there's an inverse blessing here for Boaz. Boaz in the Hebrew means strength. A God-fearing man who understands commitment and obedience to God and opens up his own stream of blessings by following Leviticus 23, verse 22, that says, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Leave it for the poor and the foreigners among you. I, the Lord, am your God. So in Ruth 2, starting at verse 3, she set out, arrived at the field, and gleaned behind the reapers. She happened to be in the part of the field that belonged to Boaz from Avimelech's clan. 
When Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, Bethlehem, he said to the reapers, Adonai be with you. And they answered him, Adonai bless you. Verse 5, then Boaz asked his servant supervising the reapers, whose girl is this? And the servant supervising the reapers answered, she's a girl from Moab, a Moabite, who returned with Naomi from the plains of Moab. Verse 7, she said, please let me glean and gather what falls from the sheaves behind the reapers. From morning until now, she's kept at it, except for a little rest in the shelter. So here's another interesting point. According to God, in Leviticus 23, verse 22, she had every right just to go into the field and clean. However, having insight about protocol, and we're going to talk about this later, warfare with honor and protocol, she asked permission. Listen, humbleness always opens doors of blessings. This is indicative of great humility on Ruth's part. Though the word says she can do this, she still goes and asks. This is very powerful. James 3, verse 13 says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him demonstrate it by his good way of life, by actions done in the humility that grows out of wisdom. Asking permission requires humility. Ruth reveals a Proverbs 31 heart. Her humility wins her great favor with Boaz. Number two. Commitment brought security, comfort, and safety in troubled times. Ruth 2, verses 8 through 13, Boaz said to Ruth, Did you hear that, my daughter? Don't go to glean in another field. Don't leave this place, but stick here with my working girls. Keep your eyes on whichever field the reapers are working on and follow the girls. I've ordered the men not to bother you. Remember, commitment brings her security, comfort, and safety. And he says in verse 9, I've ordered the young men not to bother you. Whenever you get thirsty, go and drink from the water jars the young men have filled. Verse 10, she fell on her face, prostrating herself, and said to him, Why are you showing me such favor? Why are you paying attention to me? After all, I'm only a foreigner. Boaz answered her, I've heard the whole story, everything you've done for your mother-in-law since your husband died, including how you let your father and mother and the land you were born in to come to a people about whom you knew nothing beforehand. She's left everything because of her commitment to Naomi. May Adonai, verse 12, reward you for what you've done. May you be rewarded in full by Adonai, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. She said, My Lord, I hope I continue pleasing you. You have comforted and encouraged me, even though I'm not one of your servants. So Boaz says, I've heard the whole story, everything you've done for your mother-in-law since your husband died, including how you left your father, your mother, the land you were born. She left everything. Because of this commitment she gave, where you go, I will go. Where you die, I shall die. This is amazing. But that commitment opened for her what? Resources, a job, safety, security, and even water in times of need. Number three, commitment gives Ruth abundant provision in the midst of a famine and a recession for her and her mother-in-law. You know, we say this every week in our offerings in the services, Genesis 26, that Isaac reaped a hundredfold harvest in the midst of famine, so much so that those surrounding him became afraid of him. When you are committed to the Lord, when you commit all your ways unto him, he will bless and supernaturally take care of you, even in times of recession, famine, depression, whatever it is, COVID-19, lockdowns, quarantine, civil unrest, riots, it doesn't matter, the righteous of God are protected and taken care of by Adonai. Commitment gave Ruth abundant provision in the midst of famine for her and her mother-in-law, Naomi. In Ruth 2, starting at verse 14, when mealtime came, Boaz says to her, to Ruth, come here, have something to eat, and dip your piece of bread in the olive oil and vinegar. So she sat by the reapers. They passed her some roasted grain. She ate till she was full, and she had some left over. 
When she got up to glean, Boaz ordered his young men, let her glean even among the sheaves themselves without making her feel ashamed. In fact, pull some ears of grain out from the sheaves on purpose. Leave them for her to glean and don't rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. When she beat at what she had gathered, it came to about a bushel of barley. Verse 18, she picked it up, went back to the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned and Ruth brought out and gave her what she had left over after eating her fill. She brought back an abundant harvest to her mother-in-law and she brought her dinner. She thought of her and in love brought her back something to eat. Number four, commitment opens the door to strategies for Ruth to find a husband. In Ruth chapter three, starting at verse one, Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, to Ruth, my daughter, I should be seeking security for you so that things will go well with you. Now there's Boaz, our relative. You were with his girls. He's going to be winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. So bathe, anoint yourself, put on your good clothes, go down to the threshing floor, but don't reveal your presence to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. Then when he lies down, take note of where he's lying. Later, go in, uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. In verse 5, Ruth responded, I will do everything you tell me. See, commitment brings about honor and loyalty. She didn't, be, she didn't argue with Ruth. I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense to me. Why should I do that? I'm tired. I want to sleep. No, Ruth responded, I will do everything you tell me to Naomi. Verse 6, she went down to the threshing floor and did everything as her mother-in-law had instructed her. After Boaz was through eating and drinking, he was feeling good. He went to lie down at the end of the pile of grain. She stole in, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, the man was startled, turned over, and said, there's a woman lying at his feet. And he asked, who are you? And she answered, I'm your handmaid, Ruth. Spread your robe over your handmaiden because you're a redeeming kinsman. And he said, may Adonai bless you, my daughter. Your latest kindness is even greater than your first in that you didn't go after the young men, neither the rich ones nor the poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you everything you say, for all the city leaders among my people know that you're a woman of good character. Because of her commitment, because of her covenant relationship with the Jewish woman, Naomi, even though she's a Moabite, her character is before her and they know her at the city gate because of her relationship with Naomi, because she's taking care of her, because she's a woman of good character. How does she get that way? Because of commitment. Remember last time we talked about character. Character comes through commitment. Ruth's reputation of humility and character preceded her. She's already known by the city elders at the city gate. Boaz takes the case to the elders at the city gate, and Ruth is blessed through them. In Ruth 4, starting at verse 10, also, I'm acquiring as my wife, Ruth, the woman from Moab, the wife of Michlon, in order to raise up in the name of the deceased an heir for his property, so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his kinsmen and from the gate of his place. You are witnesses today. All the people at the gate and the leader said, we are witnesses. May Adonai make the woman who has come into your house like Rachel and like Leah, who between them built up the house of Israel. Do worthy deeds in Ephrat and become renowned in Bethlehem and Bethlehem. May your house, because of the seed of Adonai, will give you from this young woman become like the house of Peretz, whom Tamar bore to Judah. What a profound promise and covenant relationship. Number five, commitment opens Ruth's womb. In Ruth 4, starting at verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. He had sexual relations with her and Adonai enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. 
Then the women said to Naomi, Please be Adonai, who today has provided you with a redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel. May he restore your life and provide for your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Naomi took the child, laid it on her breast, and became its nurse. Wow, what a profound relationship here. Commitment placed Ruth in the lineage of King David in Yeshua, number six. Ruth 4, verse 17, the woman who were neighbors gave it a name, this child. They said, a son has been born to Naomi and called it Oved. He was the father of Yeshai, the father of King David. Number seven, commitment allowed Ruth to fulfill biblical prophecy. In Isaiah 56, verses 5 through 6, it says, In my house, within my walls, I will give them power and a name greater than sons and daughters. In this passage, it's talking about Gentiles who follow the God of Israel. And he said, Those who do this in my house, verse 5 of Isaiah 56, within my walls, I will give them power and a name greater than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. I will also bless the Gentiles who commit themselves to the Lord and serve him and love his name who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath, the day of rest, and have accepted his covenant. The key here, commitment. And how do we know that he's given them a name, an everlasting name? Well, we just read it from the book of Ruth, recorded in the Bible, in Scripture forever. And again, the key, commitment. Once you've committed, it allows God to move in all manners of unforeseen incidents, meetings, persons, and provisions begin to come forth into your life. Lack of commitment inhibits the flow of blessings. So let, let me bring this to our realm today. I'll share this with you. If, if not, one of the biggest issues that plague the Messianic movement and the greater body of Messiah today is a lack of commitment. Where would we be today if Ruth had the attitude we experience today? Listen, if you have a business, what kind of a business will you have if you're not committed? If you don't get up with initiative every morning, get to work and go out and get contracts and, and open the doors and hire staff, you've got to be committed to whatever you do. What if Ruth had said, hey, I love the riches and the depth of all these Israeli fields. It makes everything come to life and all of its truth, but I'm going to stick with the way things were here in Moab. It's easier for me. Or I'm gleaning from this field, but I'm sending it back to my pastor in Moab, not to Naomi. Or this was a great time here with Naomi, but it's getting a little rough gleaning in the field. So I'm just going to go back to Moab. Listen, because it's more familiar to me. Who will stand with us? Who will continue to push through this and have the commitment necessary to see sovereign moves of God, to see commitment back into the body of Messiah that we, again, regain our place of leadership, not just in the greater body, but in this nation. This nation must turn back to God or it's lost. There must be commitment. Again, Psalms 37, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. And remember, I want to end with this, Ruth 1, verses 16 and 17, but Ruth said, don't press me to leave you. Remember, this is the Moab, the Gentile woman speaking to Naomi, don't press me to leave you and stop following you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May Adonai bring terrible curses on me and worse ones as well, if anything but death separates you and me. If you're a part-time believer, you're going to get part-time blessings. If you're a full-time believer committed fully, then Adonai will open the doors of supernatural blessings and provisions upon you. You'll have safety. You'll have security. You'll have provision. You'll have sustenance. Even in the midst of famine or depression, God will take care of you, anoint you, and bless you supernaturally if you're committed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Shalom. 